Hi, I'm Glenn Harper, CPA and owner of Harper & Company, CPAs Plus, and partner in Sula Consulting. In each episode, my co-host, Julie Smith, Harper & Company's practice manager and partner in Sula Consulting, and I will interview a different guest about their entrepreneurial journey. The podcast features interviews with business owners, aka entrepreneurs, who bring intriguing and entertaining clarity to the entire entrepreneurial journey, giving others confidence to build their business. Our goal is to provide actionable value to you, the entrepreneur, to help you do business or build a business. Every entrepreneur deserves to enjoy the journey. Learning from others offers valuable insight and inspiration. We want to provide insight on the why, the how, the shortcuts, and the value add that many entrepreneurs wish they would have had identified at the onset of their journey. Sit back and enjoy the journey. Well, everyone, welcome to another edition of Empowering Entrepreneurs, the Harper Company Way. This is Glenn Harper. Julie Smith. And we've got a special guest today. We've got this guy named Kyle Morris, a fellow entrepreneur who's the owner of the Golf Room and the Golf Room Everywhere, headquartered in Dublin, Ohio, not Dublin, Ireland, for all our St. Patty Days fans <laughs> out there. Uh, welcome, Kyle. How are you? Hey, Glenn. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Hey, Julie. Y- you bet. Uh, he's a serial entrepreneur who's always looking for an opportunity to put his skill set to use. He's one of those uh, psychos, uh, like most of entrepreneurs. Uh, in his spare time, he dedicates his time and passion to his wonderful wife and children. Um, even though he has the stature of a soccer player, he has the <laughs> skill set of being one of the top golfers in the world, as well as having a panache for being one of the top 50 golf instructors in the world, as well as the number one instructor in Ohio. Is that true? Yep. Been, uh, I played professional golf for what would have been about um, eight to nine years, and then Played 40 weeks a year in 20 countries with kids and wives, and or wives, wife. There's only wow. one. Glenn almost, Utah? almost spit okay. his coffee out. Yeah, how about that? All right. Um, so we were living in Arizona and played 40 weeks a year uh, in 2014. And then my wife said, because we were traveling the first six months of uh, my firstborn, Adler, for his life, he was sleeping in hotel rooms. So he was born June 9th. We left June 23rd, and he didn't sleep in his own bed till the uh, middle of November. And then that next year she goes, that's not happening anymore. So then we, we moved home back to Ohio from Scottsdale where I'm originally from, um, still playing and then started teaching and kind of felt God moving me into a different direction, which is where you and I had all of our, and here we are. <laughs> and now we're doing this. Well, as a fellow, uh, golfer myself, <clears throat> I'm, uh, probably, I could probably get within 18 strokes of you on a, on a, on a round. Um, but what am I, you know, knowing that the masters is just around the corner, yeah. that means tax season's almost over for me. So that's how I've been man- managing tax seasons for the last 33 years is masters. Oh, I got another week of tax season. Right, right. Um, so I, I had took a survey and I found, uh, some people and I'm like, uh, give me some questions that you would like to ask, you know, a golfing person like a yeah. Kyle. And this is what came back. So I don't, I don't know. Is it true that when you were a touring professional, you witnessed so many hackers on the golf course that you felt compelled to give up your golfing career to teach hackers how to play 18 holes under seven hours while straightening out their slice? Yeah, kind of like that. That's what you did. All right. And These then, are really Glenn's questions, right. by the no, way. He's really, he actually, he really they're just wants. personal I, conviction I, questions. Right, he I goes, just, am I okay if I play in like seven that, hours and yes. shoot 110? <laughs> Uh, this is uh, this is not about me. I'm telling you. <laughs> um, do you uh, prefer to wear the tight fitting golf attire to hide your physique, or, or do you like to wear the baggy clothes to hide your physique, like we wore in the 1980s? Well, sun's out, guns out. So uh, it's you're definitely... one of those guys. All right, polyester <laughs> and the hell with the cotton. All right, I get it. That's what slows Glenn down on his golf game is the baggy clothes from 1980. Right, right. But they're so He's, comfortable. Yeah. The cutter and bucks with that they used to wear in the Ryder Cup oh, back in 1985. Ashworth is yeah. so comfy. <laughs> Ashworth. 
Was golf an excuse to walk around chasing a ball while talking to yourself so no one would question you being an introvert? Definitely not no. an introvert. Okay. That would be one thing that no one could ever say that I was, was an introvert. Good. What's your dream golf course to play? Uh, definitely be Augusta. It was one of those things when I was playing. Um, I said I was never going to, if and I, I was offered it once and turned it down, oh, being a moron kidding. back when I was playing. And I said, if I'm going to go to Augusta, I'm either going to go at that point as a player, and then I was working, and then when I started teaching, I was working with a PGA Tour player who won, um, and then, but that was the years during COVID and it just didn't work out and blah, blah, blah. But I wanted to always go as a player or a coach. But now if someone asks me, I go, I'm going. I got to tell you that, that is, that's an amazing conviction because that's like saying, Hey, I, I'm that good. I should be down there and earn my way on there. Yeah, it was like a way to reward no myself. Someone. Yeah. That's so, so cool. But beyond that, what was your favorite course you played as a player? Um, there was a course in Montevideo, Uruguay that I played. Um, it was basically a, a course in the middle of the city which actually just so happened to be the week where I walked the streets for about four hours and said, I'm done. So it was an amazing week. I like walked down the street with my bag. So imagine someone walking down the middle of New York City with your golf bag on. Seems kind of normal. Yeah, it's a normal thing. <laughs> and then um, that week I ended up, I, I had to fly down there because I wasn't in the Uruguayan Open. So I went down to qualify. So I Spent $1,800, flew 17 hours to qualify, in which in the qualifier I have, I'm, I had to go into a playoff because I shot 71. It was like th three guys got in out of 145 guys, 44 guys teeing off or playing. Um, so I go down there, I have to qualify. So I'm either going to have to like make a birdie like in this playoff hole or I have to call my wife and said, hey, by the way, I spent $2,000 um, I flew down here. I'm not even in the event. <laughs> I'm flying home. So, so I ended up going, qualifying, playing. You know, I, I did okay. Um, but that was kind of the week where I just said, you know, I'm done. What was that aha moment, though, as you walked those streets? I think it's, to be honest, it was, there was some, you know, Wesley and I just having discussions. And it was hard for Wesley, you know, rightfully so. She had two young kids at the house under the age of two, raising them by herself essentially and I'm on the road 30 weeks that year and I was just like this is not what I, I and she you know this is not how I see the next 20 years of my life going because I want to be a father so um so that was in 2014 and then that winter I started teaching um in 20 like December and January of 2015 and then by about a month and a half in I was teaching like 20 hours a week, um, and it just grew faster than I want. But what really happened, which is really the people that are listening to this, what they want to kind of know Correct. about, was um, essentially the way it worked is when I moved home from from Scottsdale, this, this buddy of mine, he was more of an acquaintance, he goes, hey, one of the deals with my wife was, hey, if we move back to Columbus, I need to be able to build like an indoor facility. One of my good buddies was Kevin Streelman, and he had like a man cave in his basement. So I said, hey, we're, I need to build a man cave. Like you can't play professional golf and like hit balls at, you know, Sports Ohio or Westville Driving Range, right? Like they can't be my my way of no. getting on tour. So um, so when I came home, he goes, on, on my way back, he goes, hey, I've got this little place, like this little room that you could practice out of. And I was like, oh, wow, that saves me 50,000 bucks. That's amazing. And then when I was there, I started hitting balls and he goes, hey, you know, if you want, 
we should get people you could teach some lessons on the side because like you can only practice inside for two hours and then like what else are you gonna do and then and then he goes and then he goes if you want we could also like get people to rent this bay out to like hit balls and practice and i'll just one dollar that in his words he's like basically one dollar is better than no dollars i'm not going to do it so if you want it we'll just split the profit 50 50. so i was like huh so like at that quick moment like my brain started to go like switch gears into massive entrepreneur mode and i would go to like restaurants and i knew that every customer that called the phone was basically worth twelve hundred and fifty seven dollars in lifetime value so i would go to dinner like hyde park and i'd accidentally leave a like flyer or brochure in the bathroom thinking maybe they'll see it and they'll be like oh my gosh I'll call this place this looks amazing so like I just started to do this and then I just went into overdrive that was in the spring and summer of 2015 and then I went to him and said hey I actually just want to buy all your assets and I'm going to build this thing out and now we've got um I've got it went from one bay in the in a CrossFit gym in a kitchen to then I opened it in 2016 with one bay, and then we went to two bays, and then three bays, and then six bays, and then seven bays, and then now I've got, which I will unveil soon down the road, but I've got a really, really big thing in store. Um, I took the whole thing online, which is called, which you had mentioned, Glenn, called the Golf Room Everywhere, where we have 18 coaches teaching full-time online. We teach 5,000 lessons a month all over the world. I think 17% of our popu- of our base comes from Europe. Um, I bought another company called College Golf Guide, which is kind of like a, it's another business in regards of junior golfers to help placement, to t- help them find their right schools. And then I've got, I'm in the midst of um, negotiating, buying another company, which could happen in the next 30 days. Do you, do you feel like so you should So Siri Entrepreneur <laughs> might be a good. <laughs> do you feel like you should get some help with this? I mean, uh, because this well, that's is. Why, that's why you're here. That's it. Because it's it's a funny thing when you see an entrepreneur and, you know, they get the, the bug and, and obviously the commitment to be an athlete of playing golf and what it takes, the mental grind to do that probably gave you, I guess, the confidence in your own abilities to go out and, and be an entrepreneur because you're like, well, I'm not going to fail at this. I'm, I'm going to just do something different. And I'm going to nail it. I mean, I, would I, you think, agree? I think that for me, and this sounds, I don't know, it sounds weird, but there's two things that kind of reflecting because I, you know, I, I reflect a lot about a lot of this stuff is that I think that for the business side of things compared to golf, golf was different in the fact that you could practice your face off and it doesn't necessarily mean you win. That you can't tell me that <laughs> everybody believes that they practice because to, do the, it. to the podcast that today you sometimes you have to be good and you also need a little yep. bit of luck. So um, for business, business was a little bit more like school. Like you know, I worked really really hard at school. I never got a B in my life, and it was just like if you study, you get an A, and if not, like you're just not. so you got C's. Is yeah. that what you're saying? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you never got a B. So right. so for work for business, it was kind of like if I just work harder than everybody. And, you know, apply and continue to study and learn and stuff like that. Um, I'll just, I'll win the race because it's just, it's kind of, you know, hard work actually goes a really long ways. And I think that the world, um, which is why the entrepreneurs that are listening to this, why they are entrepreneurs is there's people who talk about doing things and then there's people who actually do things. There's a lot of, the world is filled with people who talk, but very few people actually do. They go, man, I'd really like to do that. And it's like, well, just... They never Man do. up and just do it already because you have to – just like golf, like you have to have – you can't have a fear of failing to where the point is you have to understand what the bottom of the pit is. So in my heart of hearts and soul of souls, if I go, you know what, Glenn, like 
if the golf room fails and the golf room everywhere fails and college golf fails and this other business fails, you know, Les and I will just go live in a little 750 square foot house with our three kids and like, God is good. That's okay. I'm okay there. Van by the river and you'll be fine. Yeah. That's all, you know. But don't you think though, you know, I think we see a, a, there's a thing with entrepreneurs. You're never going to fail. That would happen. I'll just find something else. You'll find something else. Yeah. And I think you're just going to pivot no matter what yeah. because you're, that's the way your mind works. Right. And I think that there's a little bit of correlation between um, being an entrepreneur and a professional golfer and the fact that professional golf, like you go to Uruguay and you go, oh my gosh, like this week, if I play good, I could win a million dollars in four days. That's not bad. That's pretty good. And then you go with an entrepreneur, you go, man, if I just like – change the the copy on the website and like create this like catchy headline the conversion rate could go from four percent to five and a half percent which is worth like a million dollars and all i did was change the scripting and it's like so it's it's almost like this it's i don't want to say it's like gambling but it's like it's like there's just these little tweaks that you can do that change the whole thing and then your life just changes overnight it's more controllable I would suggest like you, you, you're more predictable. Yeah. I mean, I always say like, input, output. like you and I talked about this. I would much rather invest in myself in a business and go and buy a business for a million dollars than put a million dollars into Apple stock, which I have no control over. Right. Other than we use their product. <laughs> um, and hold on. I got to check my phone. <laughs> phone <honey>. <laughs> Bing. <laughs> Other than there's three sitting on this table right now. <laughs> so, so the, the one thing about when you, you know, when people start as an entrepreneur, they'll go, Hey, I want to be, I want to do this thing. And you, it basically was, I want to teach. I want to teach people. And deep down, it probably is like, the more I teach, well, maybe back in my mind a little bit, maybe I can find something that'll make me better that I maybe can try the golfing thing again. But ultimately you're like, look, this is probably my superpower is teaching people. I can motivate people. I get them to believe that they can achieve something better than they thought they could from an instructor standpoint, right? Well, when you're running as an entrepreneur, don't you feel like, um, at some point you're like, I'm going to teach all these people. And then you realize, well, I don't have any more hours in the day. Right. I can only teach maybe a guy like you, 22 lessons as an hour a pop a day. I got to have two hours to sleep, but, and you can't do any more of that. I know. <laughs> that and seems that, worse than touring. <laughs> it, literally it had to be. And so at some point you said, well, I'm tired of, I can't just do business and just <clears> do <throat> lessons, I have to convert this to building a business. When did that light bulb hit for you? When did you realize that? Uh, probably in the fourth conversation you and I had. <laughs> God, <laughs> Stop what? working on in your business, Kyle. Start working on your business. Um, so, yeah, for me, coaching really, you know, as cliche as it sounds, coaching and golf, golf is really just the vessel to um, – pour into people's lives to really form their character. Cause I mean, you can talk, there's a lot of things in regards to hard work, you know, the illusion of instant gratification, um, all these different things. And we have an elite junior Academy, it, which is really the bread and butter of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, we're working with 40 kids. I see them 12 hours a week and it's allowing me to really make it so that they're successful in life. So they're not a bunch of sayers, but actually doers. So, um, golf was really just the, ve- is just the vessel for me to like pour into people's lives. Um, and that's really the, um, as Napoleon Hill says, the definite, I think it's a definiteness of purpose mm-hmm. that I, that I, why I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, and then to the point you're, you're absolutely right of the fact of like your hours are, I mean, I'm booked through June. You know? I tried to get a lesson. I, 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 I was denied. 
Just, you didn't make it to the website. No, That's why. I did. And it's like, the Kyle does not work here. I was like, what? This, so, yeah. Possible? So, so, uh, there gets to a point where you just go, okay, well, like I've got to, I've got to do more. That's why I keep doing this, these, these, you know, expansions and buying business. Cause I have to, as an entrepreneur, which I think most of us all are, I have to see what the ceiling is. And if I don't see what the ceiling is, I, I don't know, even know if I can live with myself. So yeah. it's like, I'd rather fail and see what the ceiling is than not try and just be, be like, I could very well just chill out and say, Hey, like life is good. Like we've had that conversation. Yeah, That's just, never going to happen. Just an insatiable appetite. Now, some entrepreneurs like to just do this thing and they're, they're good with it <laughs> and they just milk it and it's fine. But other ones they're just, they're just wired differently. And you're that guy, right? Where it's like, everything is an opportunity and look, what I want to go back to this one thing that you said. So golf is an, a, a most amazing uh, sport, bonding, whatever you want to call it. Golfers get it. Non-golfers don't. Mm-hmm. And if you can get in the golfing club of understanding what golf is, it is it is all about life. It's really about relationships. It's character. It's um, you know challenging yourself. It's overcoming adversity. It literally is a metaphor for everything in life. Golf is, and I think that's why there's such a popularity of it. Sure. And if they can make it so it doesn't take a hacker seven hours, it would be great. Right. But it just doesn't. It just takes a long time. And do you find that um, when people come in to get a golf lesson, this is this is what I find talking to entrepreneurs all the time or clients that they don't really want to talk about the golf per se. They want to talk about it makes them better as a person by being a, understanding golf better and challenging themselves and overcome the adversity. They come out of like it's a therapy session. I, I mean, I see it when I talk to clients. They come out like they feel better about stuff and all we did is do this one little thing. Do you feel like somebody comes out of there and they feel better about life because they just talked about golf? I think that sometimes it's really depending upon the person and where they are in their journey. I mean, there is sometimes, which I think is really cool on my in on the lesson tee that is in in the lesson tee and the fact that I don't really care. I w- I don't really care who you are. Right. Doesn't right. Matter. Like I work with some really, 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 really successful people, and it's like when you're in the bay, like I'm the boss and you're not, so just be quiet. Right. And there's something to be said about sometimes you need to encourage and love and nurture the human because they feel a little bit down and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And then there's sometimes where you got to be like, I don't know what world you live in, but like you can't, you know, like you can't not work and then still make a million dollars a year. Like that world doesn't exist. What are you talking about? I see that on TikTok all the time. (laughs) Right. So like it's, it's kind of, um, it really just depends on the person of where they are and, and reading the hum- reading them and their character and where they are in their journey of like what are the what are the words of life that need to be poured into this kind this person whether it's you know encouraging and loving or it's like no you actually like need to get torn into a little bit it seems like there's this uh you know it's golf is the epitome of one of my favorite sayings it's you know it's not what happens to you it's how you react to it and golf is a literally a MMA fight for 18 holes against yourself. Yeah. The, I mean, the elements are irrelevant. It, it's you, interesting because if you play golf for five hours, you actually only hit a golf ball for one minute. And then if you think about the routine of like um, thinking about how to play the shot and blah, 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 um, that's 24 minutes. So there's four and a half hours where you're just. Solid, quantum of solace. <laughs> Mental warfare. <laughs> it, it literally is. Yeah. And you know, it's funny when you play golf with somebody, you really get to know a lot about that person. Um, and again, I think it's when you work with somebody in, in the business world as well, you get to see a lot about people because again, they're, you, you get to see their true character come out of who they are and what they really think. But as a golfer, it's, I was amazed when people spend the time and the money to go out and go play 
play, not work, play around a golf. They're mad the whole time yeah. and they leave mad. And it's the same thing in business. If you're in business and you're not and you're mad or you're depressed and you're mad, why are you doing it? Like you have to change that because it's not supposed to be like that. It's supposed to be fun, right? Yeah, but I think I well, I think this kind of goes into the entrepreneur in the sense of that I think that all great entrepreneurs and all great athletes um, are circled and encompassed with a body of with a with a, like basically a halo of opt- optimism. So like if Tom Brady is down by three points, right, and he's got eight, 50 seconds left, everybody in the stadium knows that Tom's winning. Correct. It's like and the a, other team issue. knows that Tom's winning, and the fans know that Tom's winning. And when they don't win, when he doesn't win, everyone kind of looks at each other and they go, "That's weird." Yeah. That so so to your point, you go, "Well, if your business fails, you'll just figure something else out." And I go, "You're right. That's why I don't really care about failing. I'll just." I don't know. I'll create some marketing agency or something. I don't know. Like God will put something on my heart that's like, "Hey, do this now." It's like, "All right." So, so with that, whatever situation happens to an entrepreneur, right? Um, they really have. I think the most successful ones. They always know that whatever the gym is, they'll always get out of it. And there's no situation you go, "Hey, like you're." COO, like, you know, I'm just making something up. Right. Like your COO just, you know, stole 500 grand. You go, okay, well, I mean, that sucks, but we'll figure it out. We'll send a 1099 to the IRS. We'll go to jail for tax fraud. It's easy. <laughs> so, so there's always, there's always something that you can, there's always something that, that the entrepreneur can hold on to and say, hey, like, it'll be fine. Well, I think that's the, 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 one of the, I guess that was the whole point of this whole circuitous uh, conversation is the fact that, know what's what's the worst that can happen it doesn't work that's literally the worst that can happen and so you're out of money so go guess what you have not enough skill set or belief in yourself that you can figure out and do something else yeah. so once you know the the best that can happen which is awesomeness and the worst is well i just got to do something different i feel like that takes the shackles off an entrepreneur to be able to just go do it right yeah. and and not be scared yeah and i think i think too it's and what you've really helped me with probably more than anybody is that is is with all of that stuff learning the art of delegating and i think that's a really hard thing for like entrepreneurs to wrap their brain around of saying hey like um i know if i did this maybe i could do it better but like my hours are actually better spent doing something else and then let them do this they'll get it to 80 percent to completion i'll put the i'll tie the bow on it you know, cross the T's, dot the I's, alter something, and then away we go. So I think like with, there's a really, really cool book. I forget who wrote it, but it's called Rocket Fuel. Um, I think I said it to you yeah. once in a text, um, you know, where it talks about how every great company has like a visionary and an, and an integrator, right? So I think f- f- most entrepreneurs probably are really good visionaries. doesn't mean all of them, uh, but it's the it's having the people that can integrate the plan of what the visionary is doing to execute it yeah and otherwise it's just fluff so on that point when did you realize like hey i need a team i need to delegate i realized when i was sleeping two hours a day (laughs) (laughs) literally i think that's when it was no but then Uh, how did you go about that so once you kind of have the vision for that how, do you, how did you go about doing that? Because I think sometimes, like you said, delegation, I think entrepreneurs forget that building a team. Yeah, I think that to the point of, um, and he would keep circling back to this, of the there's people who talk and there's people that do. So you basically, if you think of like a, 
I don't know, like a bar, like a graph, right? The bottom, the bottom. What is this? this I didn't know we were X. doing geometry. Yeah, well, here we are. This we're going to bring it this, back to high this, school. I, I this was not. I'm not this was not in the agenda. Was the bottom one? Is that X or Y? Probably the Y. I don't yeah. know. Okay, so the Y. Think of that as like trust, and then the vertical graph, right? That's that would be performance. So. It's very, very hard to get someone who's in the top corner who has high performance and trust. That's the visionary, right? Like that's the person who like they think of ideas and they initiate them and they never miss, right? And then you have people who are like really high performers like, hey, what would you get on your ACT? And they go 36 and you go, what's your GPA? And they're like uh, two five and you go, oh, wow. Like I would almost rather – this is kind of circles perfectly. I would rather be someone who – on a on a on an educational standpoint, I'd rather hire the person who got a three nine or a four point and a twenty five on their ACT because they're a high trustworthy individual that I could then train to be high performance rather than high, get the high performance person that I can't ever delegate a task to and I don't know if it's getting done. I can train performance, I can't train trust. So like. I would so if someone says, "Yeah, I got a 36." And I go, "What was your GPA in high school?" And they go, "Ah, 2.8." I go, "Well, you're a degenerate." Right? And like you're lazy. Like you don't apply yourself. Or if someone's like, "Hey, I got a 4.1." I go, "What's your ACT?" And they go, ah, "I got a 25." Don't talk about that. Then I go, "Okay, well like, you know, you're striving, right? Like you've got a work ethic that I can, you know, work with." So like golfing is, you know, I guess at your level as a touring professional, you probably have a somewhat of a team around you to support you. But ultimately, when you're out on out there on the course, it's about you only, and it's you are sure. the one. So when you go in and be an entrepreneur, and you're like, okay, I'm used to just throwing the bag over my back. I got all of this. Hold my beer. I I can do this. And then all of a sudden, you're like, wait a minute. I it's not that I can't. I don't want to. This is not my best value at that point in time. Like, how long did that take you in your journey of having you know the golf room where you said that's it? I got to get people in place to execute on these things that I do. How long did that take you? You're saying how long did it take me to get the get I the think, team? I think to the, say I, I can't think, do I, it. I think that well, the team for me is like always growing. I mean, I just hired someone to take over marketing because I was we were doing a lot of the marketing. I'm you know I'm always doing these. Um, oh, what are they called? I think they're XFT graphs. They're basically like time charts. Like, what do you spend your time on? So it's always looking at these things. I go, okay, like I'm spending three hours a day on this. I can delegate that and hire that out. You know, like if I'm spending a lot of time, like doing something for an academy to create like practice plans and stuff, like, yeah, I can do that. But like someone else could also do that. And then I can oversee it. Right. And I could actually just pay that person a salary. And then on the back end, you know, I'll end up making you know, better decisions and spending my time more wisely. So it's, I think it's, I think as you're continuing to grow, you're always delegating more out. Um, and then it's just the art of finding the right, the right people. You're, you're a very interesting entrepreneur because most entrepreneurs are not in the numbers, graphs, charts, tendencies, trends. They just have an idea and this is what they want to do. You're very different. Like, and again, I would call you a real golfer. And I mean that as a compliment because real golfers can remember in 1993, the back nine yeah. at the Podunk course on that hole, they use this club and the weather temperature conditions and they got this score. Right. I don't remember what I ate for breakfast this morning, but like, <laughs> and I feel like I'm a okay golfer, but like that data that you have in your head where you're analyzing that, is that something you uh, learned or is this something you just, it's a, you have a hobby for that. Like you just enjoy it because most people don't, don't like the data. Entrepreneurs hate data, which is weird, but they just don't. Yeah. I mean, the way that I go about, um, I kind of have, I guess the way to articulate it, I, I kind of have a 
very data-driven math portion to my decision-making, and then there is a spiritual portion to my decision-making. So to the point of if I'm going to make a decision based upon buying a business or whatever, I'm obviously going to do the pro pro formas and figure out like what I need to do to make this thing work so that essentially I can make $1. As long as I don't lose dollars, I can sleep. Working, I don't really care. Meaning work doesn't scare me. So I'll invest a hundred million dollars if as long as I make a hundred million and one dollar. I went I went in on that. Okay. So so as long as so I'll so I'll use the data and use the you know, use all of the stuff to basically validate the decision. Um and then I'll think through it and pray through it a lot. And I feel like if my you know, um obviously like if I feel like I'm um working through that and like I feel like you know, as a, you know, just being frank, like as a Christian, like if I say, hey, I'm, I'm acknowledging all of these different things and I'm kind of putting trust in what the plan is and my heart feels attached to that, then I go, okay, like I'm good with the result because. You're at peace. Yeah, I'm at peace. Like if it wins or fails, like, you know, there's a plan for my life and I'll be, I'll be good either way. Did you, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs, <clears throat> they don't even know they are one. And all of a sudden one day they are one. Do you feel like when you were a kid growing up, did you have any of these tendencies no. to be an entrepreneur? Not no, at all. No, you hear all about all these entrepreneurs are like, I sold magazines as a six-year-old and like, you know, did all these things. And it's like, no, I I actually never had a job. <laughs> Ever. See, this is amazing. So, <laughs> so all you entrepreneurs, you don't have to be programmed <laughs> no, that way. No, I wasn't. I never had a job. Um, I didn't have a hard upbringing you know, like I was a, you know, suburban, like privileged kid. I had great parents. Like I did not have a hard life growing up. And then, but I worked really hard. Right. And that's a whole discussion itself. Like, you know, is that thing of that inner voice inside of you where you're a 16 year old kid and it's 1030 at night and you go, yeah, I could stay out. But like, I think I'm going to go home because I need to practice at nine in the morning. Right. Like my parents never actually gave me a curfew. They're like, yeah, you're, they never told me I had to study because I just, I just did it. I don't know. You know, it's probably one of those limited gifts that like, you know, God gave me for that stuff. But, um, I forget what the question. Oh, oh, did I? And, but I think when I got, when I, when, when I got the opportunity to kind of grow something, it just got, it got, I don't know. It just, just resonated. Really, yeah. Just hit home. Did you? But when I when I was playing, I mean, when you're playing as a tour professional, I still you still have to go out and raise sponsorship dollars and um, meet and greet, and all meet that. and greet and stuff. So it's kind of like you're running your own. I mean, you're running your own business. You got to promote your brand, basically, right? Yeah. So I get yeah. you probably are used to that. And again, you're so comfortable because you. How when did you start playing golf? How old were you? Seven. Seven. Man, that's pretty cool. <laughs> so yeah, at that by the time you're 15, you're already you know the routine, you know what's going on. Yeah. Do you feel? Did you have a? Um, at some point, did you have a, a mentor or somebody that looked at you and said, Kyle, you're somebody special. Let me tell you what you need to do or try to do this, and this is going to change your life. Did anybody ever say that to you, or do you just kind of meandered through and figured it out? No, I think it was probably, if anything, it was um, it was always, it was more of my parents. Like, they were really, one of our, I think, wholeheartedly all Morrises in my family, we were all based off you know, the five of languages were all words of affirmation. So like my parents were always like, Kyle, you're going to do great things. Like you're bound to this. And like, we're going to go on vacation when we're old. And like, you'll just pay for it all because you're amazing. And like, you're going to do great things. So like I had this as a child, like I just had a self-fulfilling prophecy that like, it was all all going to be fine. So, um, which I think is you have to paint a vision for like what your life is first. 
And if you don't have a vision for what it is, it's very, very hard to accomplish it. Did you have a uh, dream client that you would love to co- to teach or coach? I mean, obviously it's not me because I can't get in to see it, but is there somebody out there that you're like, man, I see that, I've seen that guy on the you know, TV or watched him play, and if I could just get 10 minutes with them, I could change You're saying life. as a tour player? No, or anybody out there that you could coach and teach how to play golf better, who would you love to bring in your fold and teach them how to be the best hmm. they can be? I'm going to love this if you say, like, your wife. <laughs> <laughs> so if I had, it's not because she wouldn't even do it. No. She'd say, Kyle, shut up. Don't talk to me. No, <laughs> do it all. Yep. Um, if I had, so tour player, if I had any player. Or I'm, anybody in the okay. world. Like, any, like who's the dream player? Man, that, that guy, that girl, whoever. Um, I actually have, I think that, that helping, I think I could do quite a bit on a two, I'll ask in both ways. I think, I think helping, um, I have a buddy who's good friends with Ricky Fowler. I think that if Ricky came with what, with how we teach and what we do, I think we could help Ricky quite a bit. He's going to um, hear this thing and he's going to yeah. reach out to you. I, just I think know Jason, it. Jason Day would be, you know, him and I, I had reached out to him. To, I think that he's been kind of going through kind of trying to figure it out a little mm-hmm. bit the last couple of years. Um, I think I could help him quite a bit. I think that would be fun. And then on a, on a personal side, um, there's a guy named Russell Brunson who I really like his marketing stuff. It's probably who I get a lot of my marketing stuff from. Um, I think just hanging out with him for for a period of time is fun. But I think it's just you know one thing is people are always like, hey Kyle, like who do you like to who do you like to work with? You know, like you only work with really good players. Like, no, absolutely not. Like I just like working with players who are passionate about getting better. Whether you shoot 100 or 65, I don't really care. If you shoot 65 and like you're not coachable and you want to blah, 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 I go, I don't even want to hang out with you. You know, so, and, and it, so it's really just someone who has a desire to, to learn. So, I mean, um, you know, I just started working with like Evan Turner from, you know, who played at Ohio State. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he's been amazing, like super coachable and like. He wants to learn. Wants to learn, right? He just picked up golf like two weeks ago. And then you have other people who shoot 68 or 70 and they're not coachable. And you go, I, I, I don't want to be around you. So this, I had this one, this other question, we didn't get to it earlier, but you know, this is a very serious question. Why would a prospective student trust your judgment as a golf instructor, seeing how you settle in Columbus, Ohio, where you can only play golf six months a year? Seems like you would be more credible if you settled in like Indiana or Mississippi. Indiana or Mississippi? Yeah, those are great golfing meccas. What? <laughs> His no, judgment. So, yeah, judgment. You all know. Yeah. So, but, but I think that actually, so people will always be like, um, I was doing a lot of stuff for Golf Channel for a while, and they're like, why don't you just go open a facility down in Florida. And I, go, I go, that's a terrible idea. And they go, why is that? And I go, because the truth is, is that if I give you a lesson, Glenn, and you go out and I give you a lesson today and you go play tomorrow and you're mm-hmm. going to try it and you're going to go, this doesn't work. What's the new tip, right? Whereas in Ohio, um, if someone comes and they say, hey, Kyle, I'm going to come take lessons. Like when the season starts, I'm going to car- start coming in April. I go, that's a terrible idea. I go, well, you need to come see me in November, Right. Because November, if you see me in November or October, that actually gives me like four or five months where we can do pure motor pattern training, like make your stuff better so that when you hit the golf course in April or May, you're not having to think about what you're doing and how, I mean. It's natural. It's Yeah, it's more ingrained. Whereas if you're like, I'm going to get a tip in May, like it's, it's you know, you got to work at it. There's no doubt that like if someone's like, I'm going to get one lesson, like that's fine. But like you're, you still have to go practice. I had a guy yesterday um, who came in and he had... He had booked six lessons with me. He had booked six consecutive weeks of lessons with me, right? And he came in yesterday, um, and he's hitting balls. And I go, listen, like, I don't really know what more to tell you. Like, you just need to go work at it. 
when you work, when you set up like your feedback station, your practice station, it's good. But like, I don't have magic fairy dust. Like you still have to earn it. It's, it's no different than the entrepreneur. Like they could call me and say, hey, Kyle, I want you to consult my business and tell me what we can do. So they do it and I go, okay, great. You need to go do this. And then they call me in the next week and they go, okay, so what should I do? I go, well, I already told you. Did like, you not do it? Yeah. You have to do it. So there's people that do things and there's people that say things. There's no shortcuts. <laughs> right. As so a like, general. Work yeah, hard. So. And I think probably one of the, I think one of the reasons that, that last question was more of a joke because it's not the fact that most entrepreneurs, they, for them to be successful at what they do, they have to believe passionately in what they do, that yeah. they're making a difference in whatever. And it's when you're teaching somebody, like you said, it doesn't matter what their handicap is. It's the, the commitment to helping them achieve their goals as your client to help them get better. And you have to really truly care about that. Like you can't just sort of say, well, you'll get a few balls. Yeah, do this, change your angle and whatever. And you're fine. I don't think that's how you do it. I think you have this holistic approach. And as an entrepreneur, when you can believe in what you do so well that you can resonate that with your clients, they're going to be loyal to you forever. Right. I mean, I think yeah. that's, that, that's, that's what I, part. that's what, you know, if you, I mentioned him earlier in the podcast, like if you listen to and read any Napoleon Hill stuff and he talks about definiteness, definiteness of purpose, like there's purpose to what you're doing and the, the re, like you're wholeheartedly behind why you're doing it and what you're doing. And there's a vision behind it. And that's, that's clout that's surrounded with this bubble of optimism. And then when you do that, you go, now you're just like a freight train running down, down the track and you go, get out of my way. It's like Napoleon dynamite when he went up and danced in front of everybody. It's just you, like that. You can eat your tots. That's it. Yeah. I got some <laughs> in my pocket. They're so good. So I have, I know we kind of talked about the mentor and what you had growing up, uh -huh. but now I think you serve as a mentor to a lot of young people. And I think that's a huge responsibility that maybe you don't necessarily think about, but as you've become this entrepreneur and you've become relatively successful at it, do you have someone that kind of took you under their wing that kind of led you down the path of, hey, when you own a business or someone that was able to kind of walk through some of those things with you as you've kind of, you know. 100%. I mean, so like when I was playing, I had um, I had five of the top 12 coaches in the world assembled on my team. So I had uh, Mike Bender as my swing coach, Stan Utley as my putting coach. James Seekman is short game, and then the team from Vision 54 is my mental side, and they're all top 10. So you could make a very strong argument, not just saying it, that I had the best team assembled on grass, like as a as a coaching body, at least by rankings. So Mike, who is basically like a surrogate father to me, I mean, I am forever indebted to that man. Um, as my swing coach, one is, you know, he taught me, you know, basically every way he created the framework and the um, foundation in which I teach upon for swing stuff. But then also Mike's one of those guys that everything he does is very thorough, thought out. And like, he's just one of those guys, like he just succeeds at life. Um, and he's super humble um, and just like an amazing character. So I owe a lot to him, um, like a lot to him, maybe more than anybody. Um, did but, you, did you seek him out or did he seek you out? Like, I, no, I said, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, well, I worked with him as a player, but everything that he had ever said to me as a player when I was a player, um, mm -hmm. and any, with all these coaches that basically just stuck in my brain like glue. But then just like now, like I have a team of people who I surround myself with. Right. So I had Mike, Stan, James, P and Lynn, 
And now, like, I've got Glenn, and I have Mike, and I have another guy named Lauren Anderson, and I've got, you know, this other guy, Andy Hiltz, and, you know, Aaron Weir. I have these these team of about four or five people where it's like, I got a decision. Like, let me bounce it off you, and 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 then I'll pull it all together, wrap it in my brain, and then that gives me peace in my heart that I go, hey, like, they're on board, I'm on board, my heart's on board, the financials are on board, great, let's go, and if it doesn't work, eh, whatever. You figure that... You know, as most entrepreneurs don't set that team up until later when they feel like they are successful enough to warrant or like it's okay to invest in that or to spend that line item. The, the, the entrepreneurs that put that team around them sooner achieve great results quicker. It's just a compressed timetable yeah, I mean, to get be, where it is. It'd be hypocritical for me as a coach to say I shouldn't have a coach. Right. I mean, I'll invest in coaching. That's a mic drop moment right there. I, <laughs> I need a button or something. I don't even, that is, that's, that's fantastic. So, um, so yeah. When you're on your team, is it more of a, is there somebody that says to you, like has more influence over you or power, or you feel like you still get to drive the bus and you're just getting the background noise and just you're driving along and they're like, they're talking to you and you can just do what you do. Is there anybody that stands out on that? Or is it more of an equal uh, weighted? Because some people have like, this person can tell them anything and they're going to just listen to it. And sometimes they just appreciate that person telling them something, but they're really not going to buy into it until they figure it out on their own. Do you have those kind of people on your team or is it really just still you just driving the bus? Well, to be honest, I think in, in a whole, in a, I think to be frank, like Leslie, my wife is that person. She is the, unfortunately, she's the, she's, she, in. she's the springboard to the me bouncing a thousand ideas off. And she's, um, she really is, you know, and, and this could be a, its own podcast oh, yeah. in itself of like what, what makes a great marriage. Um, but she really does help me in creating, making me like the best version of myself in regards to there's things that she's really good at that I suck at. And there's things that I'm great at that she sucks at. And there's things that um, she helps keep me in line and she doesn't care who I am, what I've done, how much I make. It's like, no, no, like you're going to do this. And when mama says you're doing it, you're doing it. So um, she's really that that person for me that has the ultimate authority. Like, you know, if I want to do something and she goes, nope, then it's like, okay, like my love with you is more important than this. So um, and, but, you know, but she's very, she also understands like what makes me tick. So she's like, okay, I get it. You know? So she lets, she also like, she, you know, she, she lets me run, which is, which is amazing. But, um, you know, I've been with Leslie since I was 17, 18. So, I mean, we've been through we've everything, been through everything. Yeah. It's like, there's a, there's one thing about being an entrepreneur, but then there's the entrepreneurs and the spouses that love them. And like, that's a whole nother like module of how, how do you communicate effectively because I hate to tell you, but I'm pretty sure that you're spending more time working on your business than you were working while you're playing professional. I mean, yes, hands yeah, down. Yeah. But somehow you find the balance and maybe it's not because it's the travel and all that grind, but you're still, I'm literally, I know you and yeah. you know, most of us are all the same way. It's a 24 seven proposition. You can, it's really hard to turn it off, but you do have special times where yeah, you I shut would, your phone off and you don't, you're yeah, on you try, you try. I think that's the hardest part of an entrepreneur is just trying to f- make sure that when you're there you're there um and you're being very mindful and present i think that's that's probably something that i'm always working on in my character to just say hey like i'm with my kids be with your kids and like when you're with your wife like be with your wife and then when it's time to work work right so um if you're coaching me 
I don't want you checking your phone to see what else is going on. I want your undivided attention, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so it's always, it's, it's that, it's that balance of like, of what you're doing, but at the same time, you know, it's like someone emailed me the other day or I was talking to someone. They're like, so well, I'll send you an email. Like, what's your personal email? I go, personal email. Like, who's got that? What, what's that mean? Like my work email is my personal email, which it's my wife. Like, so like, I, I don't I, even know what you're saying. I can't have two emails. How do I even keep track of that? <laughs> If, so. if you have, uh, if you could go back and do it again, because what are you like, 48, 49? Yeah, what right. are you, uh, 36. 36. If you could go back and talk to your 21-year-old self, would you do anything different knowing what you know now to get where you are? Or you kind of, and I guess this is for all the entrepreneurs out there, there's really no regrets, but it would be neat if there was this key moment in time, you're like, man, if I just knew that then. It yeah. would have been a whole different narrative. Not better, not worse, just different. You know, this is going to sound, this is not going to be probably what will spike the mic or spike the ratings, but I honestly don't have any regrets in my life. I can't honestly, from the bottom, bottom of my soul, say I don't have one thing, like major, I'm sure, I mean, there's like little tiny, like, hey, you should have done this, or like, you should have, you know, turn but, off, not texted at that moment. I'm talking about like major life decisions where I go, that can really, that come to the fruition of my brain that go, or the front of my brain that go, hey, I really messed up on that one. And I think it's because of like what we got, went back to at the middle of the episode of, you know, like doing my due diligence and lots of prayer and all that kind of stuff of just saying, hey, like I'm good with, I'm good, right? And and realizing that because of that, if it didn't work out, there isn't a regret because I go, no, no, like I've, I followed what my heart was saying and like, and be, even though it didn't work out, it didn't work out, and that was the plan. The plan was for it not to work out, and I'm okay with that, right? Because if it didn't work out, there's some lesson that I learned through it, and then you can you fail forward from it. Pivot and move forward. I feel like the tattoo on your chest that says no regrets here, probably I'll, here, should, I'll, have, I'll show you. should have said no right, regrets. <laughs> I, I don't know why you're not pointing at that, but again, he's sitting here in the studio shirtless. It's really weird. Well, now my shirt's off. So. Okay. Everybody, I wish you could see the visual. It's, it's impressive. Sun's out, guns out. So That's if it. you uh, could give one piece of advice to fellow entrepreneurs just starting out, mm -hmm. what would you give to them? If I could give one piece of advice to an entrepreneur just starting out, um, I would say, don't try to make it perfect. I think that there is this boom. I think there is this thing in the world, especially like with certain personalities where it's like, okay, I'm going to launch this product. I need to figure out everything that's with it. Every customer support problem, every email, there needs to be a solution. It's like, no, 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 no. Like just launch it. Like if it's 70 or 80% done, fine, and then just figure it out, right? I mean, I launched my online business, and we did it in like two weeks. It was like, <laughs> COVID's coming. We're like, great, let's start online. And then we, I flew a guy up from Tampa. We filmed a video series. I launched it, and, you know, 5,000 lessons a month later, here I am. I mean, if I would have taken all of the time to figure out all of the things that had to take, I mean, good luck. The opportunity's gone. So, like, just do it and stop thinking about it which goes back to your saying and doing right yeah like you know just i think that's that's probably the best takeaway that we have um on this is is like don't be scared just do it and it's all going to work out one way or the other so just keep going and have fun with it i think that's the the key yeah. thing well 
Kyle, I appreciate you coming in today. I know Thanks. you're a busy guy. Like I said, I can get you for this, but I can't get you for lessons. So that's kind of <laughs> funny. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, maybe we like to hear our own voice. I don't know. But uh, any parting words you'd like to say or you wanted to give a plug nope, to your they, company? And... Uh, yeah. So if anybody would like to go, um, they could go on Instagram and they can follow the golf room. They can get some free tips tips and tricks um if they go to the golf room everywhere if they're ever looking for some on some advice and they're not in columbus we can do we do all our our online systems a very holistic approach so that's that's great and then go subscribe to me on stock shot secrets it's on spotify and you can listen to my podcast and figure out stories of life and what's going on life according to kyle <laughs> well i appreciate you coming into kyle always always a pleasure to talk to you if you're, you're very inspirational uh, friend, a very inspirational character, and you're just very good at what you do. And if you want to get better at playing golf and better in life, go see this guy because he's an amazing guy. So this is Glenn Harper. Julie Smith. Everybody take care. At Harper & Company CPA Plus, we just don't care about the numbers. We care about helping you tap into the greatness of your entrepreneurial journey. You deserve a partner who has helped hundreds of businesses go from paying the bills to building the business and lifestyle of their dreams. Go to our website and download our free guide entitled Entrepreneurial Success Formula, How to Avoid Managing Your Business from Your Bank Account. The link is in this episode's show notes.